drive time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Friday, October the 7th, 2022, in the memorial of Our Lady of the Rosary. Praise be to God. And guess what? It's the Battle of Lepanto anniversary, October the 7th, 1571. And I will play for you the dramatic read of G.K. Chesterton's Lepanto. We did that last year, but we're going to replay that for you at 15 past the hour. It's fun. I can't wait to share that with you. But also on the program, Father Lawrence Carney is going to be on to unveil the secrets of the Holy Face devotion, the devotion destined to save society. He actually has a book of similar title on Tan, and we're going to be discussing the Holy Face devotion and his book coming up at 35 past the hour. Join us if you can, and do share us with a friend. We would be grateful. Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father, is going to be on the top of the next hour. He's going to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas' teaching on the rapture. Is really? That, that exists? I don't know. We're going to find out. Join us in the next hour. Uh, lots of stories in the news. Of course, crime emerges as the number one issue going into the midterm elections. Not not abortion, not defending family, but crime. Crime is the number one issue, and it seems, seems to be a major problem in all of our big cities and for the Democrat Party. President Joe Biden is pardoning thousands of Americans who are convicted of simple uh, possession and marijuana. Hmm, interesting. And it is still unclear at this point just how many of the 150 attacks and threats against pro-life advocacy groups, pregnancy resource centers, and churches that the FBI has arrested anyone at all. But don't worry, they did get Mark Houck. So there's that. Secret sir, uh, The secret uh, U.S. operations inside the Ukraine has been made you know public now apparently we have since the beginning had cia and u.s special forces operators on the ground operating in ukraine going back all the way since february but right now it's at an all-time high so there's that Zelensky has asked nato for preemptive strikes in russia that's fun and the biden administration has purchased 260 million dollars in radiation meds just in case we do have that thermal nuclear war. Oh, and one last piece of good news today. Gas prices are soaring and $3.83 a national average as of yesterday. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. <laughs> Joe, come on, bro. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you forgot to mention that the world's <laughs> oldest dog passed away. Oh, are you being serious about that? Yeah, it, he did. How old was he? 22 years old. 22? Yeah. What kind of dog? It was a chihuahua. A Chihuahua, of course. Yeah, a Chihuahua. chihuahua. I would have. Th- I was thinking Golden Retriever. You know, I'm a Chihuahua fan. I'm going to admit it. I have a half Chihuahua at the house. I'll take it. You can have it. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it does come with two other dogs and a cat, so oh. you've got to got to read the fine print. That's a lot of baggage. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> and their bowls and their crates and 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 and. Well, well, yeah, but you you, you would be beneficial uh, to have such 
beautiful animals. I'll take the dog. The, the other ones might get lost on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, speaking of getting lost, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones that do. Good morning, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Praise. Is it? It is. Despite of it all, in spite of y'all's, both of y'all's bad news, <laughs> it's good to be here. Praise <laughs> be to God. And say it's another day. The sun will soon be rising. Amen. And it'll be another day to give glory mm-hmm. to God. Hang on. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me the sky's not falling? No, not today. Oh, well. That comes later. Now that you bring it the, up. No, the sky falling comes later. <laughs> For today, we just have to yeah. worry about our own difficulties. We do. So let's offer up our, our sufferings of the day. Those mm-hmm. are enough for us today. Mm-hmm. And be grateful for the things that God has given us. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's the feast of the of our, uh, our Lady of Victory, feast of the Holy Rosary. So uh, what a wonderful opportunity to celebrate the, those today. If you have a chance to go to Holy Mass, we may be going to Mass tonight and a procession at our parish. So kind of looking forward to that. Uh, but otherwise, it's going to be a, a, a sort of a honeydew list weekend, I think. Oof. My wife's like got a whole like, Oof. I need you to do, and rolls out the paper, hits the ground, rolls off the floor. <laughs> My God, you is. What well, is all this? You know, you got to get all the stuff done before you go to vacation. That's what she said, too. Have you been talking to her? There's like (laughs) similar talking points there. Yikes. All right, let's jump in. Lots to pray for today and to cover. It's going to be a great conversation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday, October 7th, and here are your headlines this morning. The Epic Times reports, 66 U.S. clinics have halted abortions. Since Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade, here's a little bit of good news here to balance out all the bad we started with. In 15 states that have imposed complete or six-week abortion bans, 66 clinics have stopped oper- offering abortions, according to the pro-abortion nonprofit Gutmacher Institute. A total of 26 of the clinics have closed, including the Jackson Women's Health Organization in Mississippi, while the others are still performing other services. For perspective, the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America Group stated that the abortion bans already in effect or slated to take effect are anticipated to protect as many as 200,000 unborn children annually. The group also denounced how the Biden administration is sending out about $6 million worth of grants to groups that promote abortion. The Hill reports Zelensky calls for preventive, preventative action to deter Russian nuclear strikes. In an address to an Australian think tank, Zelensky underscored the importance of preventative strikes, preventative action, so that Russia can get a better picture of the potential consequences if they move to use nuclear weapons. That sounds a little backwards to me, but he says preventative steps are crucial to deterrence. He cautioned against waiting for the nuclear strikes first. And Breitbart reports federal agents have sufficient evidence to charge Hunter Biden with tax crimes and false gun statement. The decision on whether Hunter will be ultimately uh, charged is up to Trump-appointed United States Attorney David Weiss. Individuals with knowledge of the probe told the Washington Post in a Thursday report. Hunter is reportedly under investigation for tax fraud, money laundering, and gun and foreign lobbying violations. Hunter has reportedly tried to settle the case out of the court and has paid $1 million to the IRS to evade conviction or a long sentence. 
And the Epic Times reports U.S. buys $290 million worth of drugs in preparation for nuclear emergencies. The $290 million purchase was announced by the Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response, an agency tasked with preparing the nation for future disasters and public health emergencies. Ramiplostim, which was approved by the FDA in January 2021, is used to treat blood cell injuries that accompany acute radiation syndrome in adults and children. ARS is also referred to as radiation sickness, which reaches internal organs in mere seconds and occurs when a person's entire body is exposed to a high dose of penetrating radiation. It can result in difficulty for blood to clot because of low platelet counts. And it could lead to uncontrolled bleeding, which is also life-threatening. So maybe you might consider getting some for yourself. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Matthew Carrari. He was born in 1420 at Mantua, Italy, in the late 14th century. He grew up a silent and prayerful child, a good student, and a great reader. These qualities seemed to recommend him to the preaching friars, and at an early age, he presented himself at the convent in his home city, and he received the habit. Traveling from convent to convent, he preached a revival of fervor and a deeper understanding of the spirit of St. Dominic, and many of the religious of Lombardy, both Dominicans and members of other orders, were led by him to become more fervent. One time when he was preaching in Vegavano, a troop of jugglers came into town and set up their act. They were a particularly scandalous set of people poking ridicule at the religious and the Pope. Matthew sent them word to move on, which they ignored, so he went after them with his walking stick, and this proved more effective. They scattered and ran, but soon came back fortified with the presence of the Duke of Milan who scolded Matthew for being so narrow-minded and humorless. Matthew patiently pointed out to him the bad spots in their humor, and in spite of the Duke's natural aversion to the friars, he convinced him that he should keep the jugglers out of town. The ship was he one day he was traveling on a ship, and the ship was soon captured by a Turkish corsair. The Mohammedan captain called on the three Dominicans for an explanation of why they were there. Matthew spoke up so fearlessly and eloquently that the captain released all three of them. Just as they were being hustled off to a rescue boat, the wail of one of the women passengers stopped them. The lady and her young daughter were not anxious to be taken to Algiers, and Matthew began pleading for them. The captain told him that he better let the affair alone and be satisfied that he has saved his own skin. Matthew thereupon volunteered to go to Algiers in chains if the captain would release the two women. Amazed at his courage as well as his brashness, the captain released all of them and told them, get out of his ship quickly before he changed his mind. One day while meditating on the passions, Matthew asked our Lord to partake of his sufferings and he received the stigmata in the form of an arrow that pierced his heart. For the remainder of his life, he suffered great pain from his wound. He died on October 5th, 1470, Blessed Matthew Karadi, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 15 through 26. When Jesus had driven out a demon, some of the crowd said, By the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he drives out demons. Others, to test him, 
asked him for a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be laid waste, and a house will fall against house. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that it is by Beelzebul that I drive out demons. If I, then, drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your own people drive them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his possessions are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, he takes away the armor on which he relied and distributes the spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of someone, it roams through the arid regions, searching for rest, but finding none, it says, I shall return to my home from which I came. But upon returning, it finds it swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and brings back seven other spirits more wicked than itself, who move in and dwell there. And the last condition of that man is worse than the first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Adrian, did you find anything? Yes, uh, a couple things from Cornelius Lapide. He says, he kind of makes fun of the devil here. It's kind of funny. He says, the inferior demons and wicked men uh, are, are also commanded by the devil, and these the devil makes use of against us to tempt us and to vex us. His goods are the souls of sinners, the bodies of the possessed, and the souls of the fathers detained in limbo before Christ. And all of these Christ took away from the devil and bound him in hell. And so people often will mistakenly try to figure out who the strong man is and think the strong man is Christ. But the strong man is the devil. And Christ comes into the home and he makes an analogy, Cornelius Lapide does. He says that the like if Samson, or he even uses the example of Hercules, if you wanted to rob him, you would not be able to unless you bound him down, which is what happens to Samson, right? And spoil him. So you have to take what is his, but first you have to bind him down. And that's why our Lord comes and does this. Now, well, let's just leave it at that for now. And so let's worry, let's think about the fact that our Lord is stronger mm -hmm. than the strong man. Amen. Praise he be conquers God. the devil. Yeah, amen. All right, coming up after the break, I'm going to share with you the poem by G.K. Chesterton on the Battle of Lepanto. Boy, it's going to be entertaining, and we'll share a little bit about the history and what started the Battle of Lepanto. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge in which case is self-refuting. 
Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's great to be on with you. And now I present to you Lepanto, a poem by G.K. Chesterton. White founts falling in the courts of the sun, and the soldan of Byzantium is smiling as they run. There is laughter like the fountains in the face of all men feared. It stirs the forest darkness, the darkness of his beard. It curls the blood-red crescent, the crescent of his lips. For the inmost sea of all the earth is shaken with his ships. They have dared the white republics up the capes of Italy. They have dashed the Adriatic round the lion of the sea. And the Pope? has cast his arms abroad for agony and loss and called the kings of Christendom for swords about the cross. The cold queen of England is looking in the glass. The shadow of the Valois is yawning at the mass. From evening isles fantastical rings faint the Spanish gun and the Lord upon the golden horn is laughing in the sun. Dim drums throbbing in the hills half heard, where only a nameless throne, a crownless prince has stirred, where, risen from a doubtful seat, a half-attainted stall, the last knight of Europe takes weapons from the wall. The last and lingering troubadour to whom the bird has sung that once went singing southward when all the world was young. In that enormous silence, tiny and unafraid, comes up along a winding road the noise of a crusade. Strong gongs groaning as the guns boom far. Don Juan of Austria is going to the war. Stiff flags straining in the night blast cold, in the gloom black purple, in the glint old gold, torchlight crimson on the copper kettle drums, then the tuckets, then the trumpets, then the cannon, and he comes. Don Juan laughing in the brave beard curled, spurning of his stirrups like the thrones of all the world, holding his head up for a flag of all the free. Love light of Spain, hurrah! Deathlight of Africa, Don Juan of Austria is riding to the sea. Mahound is in his paradise above the evening star. Don Juan of Austria is going to the war. He moves a mighty turban on the timeless Oris knees in his turban that is woven of the sunset and the seas. 
He shakes the peacock gardens as he rises from his ease, and he strides among the treetops, and is taller than the trees, and his voice through all the garden is a thunder sent to bring Black Azrael, and Ariel, and Ammon on the wing, giants and the genii, multiplex of wing and eye, whose strong obedience broke the sky when Solomon was king. And they rush in red and purple from the red clouds of the morn. From temples where the yellow gods shut up their eyes in scorn. They rise in green robes, roaring from the green hells of the sea. Where fallen skies and evil hues and eyeless creatures be. Of them the sea valves cluster and the gray sea forests curl. Splashed with splendid sickness, the sickness of the pearl, they swell in sapphire smoke out of the blue cracks of the ground. They gather and they wonder, and they give worship to Mahound. And he saith, Break up the mountains where the hermit folk may hide, and shift the red and silver sands, lest bone of saint abide, and chase the joyous, flying night and day, not giving rest, for that which was our trouble comes again out of the west. We have set the seal of Solomon on all things under sun, of knowledge and of sorrow and endurance of things done. But a noise is in the mountains, in the mountains, and I know the voice that shook our palaces four hundred years ago. It is he that saith not kismet, it is he that knows not fate. It is Richard, it is Raymond, it is Godfrey at the gate. It is he whose loss is laughter when he counts the wager worth. Put down your feet upon him, that our peace be on the earth. For he heard drums groaning, and he heard guns jar. Don Juan of Austria is going to the war? Sudden. And still, hurrah, bolt from Iberia, Don Juan of Austria is gone by Alacar. St. Michael's on his mountain in the sea roads of the north. Don Juan of Austria is girt and going forth. Where the gray seas glitter and the sharp tides shift and the sea folk labor and the red sails lift. He shakes his lance of iron, and he clasps his wings of stone. The noise is gone through Normandy. The noise is gone alone. The north is full of tangled things, and texts and aching eyes, and dead is all the innocence of anger and surprise. And Christian killeth Christian in a narrow dusty room, and Christian dreadeth Christ that bath a newer face doom. And Christian hateth Mary, that God kissed in Galilee. But Don Juan of Austria is riding to the sea. Don Juan calling through the blast and the eclipse, crying with the trumpet, with the trumpet of his lips, trumpet that saith, Ha! Domino Gloria! Don Juan of Austria is shouting to the ships. King Philip's in his closet with the fleece about his neck. Don Juan of Austria is armed upon the deck. The walls are hung with velvet that is black and soft as sin, and little dwarves creep out of it, and little dwarves creep in. 
He holds a crystal file that has colors like the moon. He touches, and it tingles, and he trembles very soon. And his face is as a fungus of a leprous white and gray, like plants in the high houses that are shuttered from the day. And death is in the file, and the end of noble works. But Don Juan of Austria has fired upon the Turk. Don Juan's hunting, and his, his hounds have bayed. Booms away past Italy the rumor of his raid. Gun upon gun, ha-ha! Gun upon gun, hurrah! Don Juan of Austria has loosed the cannonade. The Pope was in his chapel before day or battle broke. Don Juan of Austria is hidden in the smoke. The hidden room in a man's house where God sits all the year. The secret window whence the world looks small and very dear. He sees as in a mirror on the monstrous twilight sea. The crescent of his cruel ships whose name is mystery. They fling great shadows, foe words making cross and castle dark. They veil the plumed lions of the galleys of St. Mark. And above the ships are places of brown and black bearded chiefs and below the ships are prisons where with multitudinous griefs Christian captives sick and sunless all a laboring race repines like a race in sunken cities like a nation in the mines they are lost like slaves that swat in the skies of morning hung the stairways of the tallest gods when tyranny was young they are countless voiceless, hopeless, as those fallen or fleeing on before the high king's horses in the granite of Babylon. And many a one grows witless in his quiet room in hell, where a yellow face looks inward through the lattice of his cell. And he finds his God forgotten, and he seeks no more a sign. But Don Juan of Austria has burst the battle line. Don Juan pounding from the slaughter-painted poop, purpling all the ocean like a bloody pirate sloop, scarlet running over the silvers and the golds, breaking of the hatches up and bursting of the holds, thronging of the thousands up that labor under sea, white for bliss and blind for sun and stunned for liberty. Viva Hispania! Domino Gloria! Don Juan of Austria has Set his people free. Cervantes, on his galley, sets the sword back in the sheath. Don Juan of Austria rides homeward with a wreath. And he sees across a weary land a straggling road in Spain, up which a lean and foolish knight forever rides in vain. And he smiles, but not as the Sultan smiles and settles back the blade as Don Juan of Austria rides home from the crusade. G.K. Chester. Praise be to God in all things. You know, on August the 2nd of 1571, uh, the last remaining outpost on the island of Cyprus that was uh, commanded by Marc Antonio Bragadin uh, surrendered under a negotiated deal. Well, with Lala Mustafa Pasha, the Ottoman Turk commander. However, uh, Pasha was uh, a pervert, among other things, and um, they went back on the deal and they slaughtered uh, his, his entourage and they tortured Mark Antonio. Let me read to you 
what they did. It was a bloody battle, and these uh, these heroic uh, men held back 100,000 Turks for a very long time, and they went as long as they could, and he was trying to save as many as he could, which is why he negotiated the uh, the surrender. But this is what they did to Mark Antonio, and I think it's important for you to know this. It says, quote, on August the 17th, he was hung from the mast of his own ship and scourged with over 100 lashes. Then he was forced to carry a heavy basket full of stones and sand on his shoulders through the, str- the streets of Famagusta until he collapsed. He was then brought back to the main square of the city and chained to a column, upon which a Genoese renegade began to slowly flay him alive from the shoulders down. The Venetian commander endured the martyrdom with heroic courage, continuing to recite the Miserere and to invoke the name of Christ until after his arms until after his arms and torso had been skinned. He cried out, In manus tuus domine commendo spiritum meum, and expired. It was three in the afternoon on August the 17th, 1571. Bragadin's body was then quartered and with his flayed skin stuffed with straw and cotton and clothed with the uh, garments and insignia of command was carried in a macabre procession through the streets of Famagusta and then hung from the mast of a galley, which carried him to Constantinople as a trophy together with the heads of the other Christian leaders. Close quote. That was uh, 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 Roberto Di Mattei, who that was an excerpt from his work on the Battle of Cyprus, which was, again, horrific and bloody and uh, heroic on the part of so many Christian knights who went there and uh, had to fight those battles and to also include going back even further to the Battle of Malta. But it was at the Battle of Lepanto in October the 7th 1571, as they went in formation in the shape of a cross against the shape of the crescent in the Muslim fleet, that they shouted, Famagusta, Famagusta, Famagusta. They would not forget the incredible, disgusting torture that these Christian knights had to endure at the hands of these Turks. And they would, by defeating this Muslim fleet, they would stem the tide of the invasion into Europe. It was a heroic sacrifice and so many were lost, and yet so many Christians were freed in the galleys of these Turks. Remember this day. Let us pray to Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary and Our Lady of Victory. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. 
Hi, this is Sister Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal lives. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. The Blaze reports Biden announces pardon of all federal convictions for simple possession of marijuana. President Joe Biden on Thursday said he will issue an executive order pardoning all people with federal convictions for simple possession of marijuana. Biden also said he will issue a blanket pardon for anyone convicted of a federal simple possession of marijuana violation of federal law. He has directed attorney Merrick Garland to prepare the to issue certificates of pardon to all eligible individuals. Fox Carolina reports world's oldest living dog passed away at 22 years old. A Greenville County toy fox terrier, I mistakenly said, was a chihuahua that recently set a world record as the oldest living dog passed away on Monday. Pebbles died peacefully at home from natural causes just five months shy of her 23rd birthday. And the Epic Times reports, a chicken saved my life. Meet the former Marine giving fellow veterans a new mission. And America, new farmers. One of the bigger problems I had was I no longer had purpose because in the Marine Corps, you're built up to have a pretty big ego, Robert Elliott said. Joe, is that true? This problem isn't unique to Elliott or the Marines specifically, but it's common to many veterans who have recently made the transition from military service back to civilian life. The lack of purpose, structure, and a support network can be devastating to veterans. It certainly was to Elliot until he found a new way to regain all three. His answer was farming. But he didn't stop there. After realizing what a lifesaver farming was for him, for his transition back to civilian life, Elliot started the Veterans Farm of North Carolina, where he provides agricultural programs for other veterans who are currently in the position he once was in. North Carolina has an aging farming population and a military service member and veteran population, making Fayetteville, North Carolina, the perfect location for the VFNC to train a new generation of veteran farm entrepreneurs. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, joining us right now is Father Lawrence Daniel Carney. Uh, he is the author of a book called Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society, which you can find linked up at tanbooks.com. Good morning to you, Father Carney. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, we're very grateful for your for your time today, especially on this Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary and uh, Our Lady of Victory. Uh, praise be to God. The Holy Face Devotion. Let's start with what is this devotion and what is the history behind it? The Holy Face devotion is both old and new because ever since Revelation and the Holy Bible, we have the name of a God mentioned and the face mentioned. The face of, of God is mentioned about 840 times in the Old Testament alone. Then we have the incarnation. Our Lord Jesus, our Redeemer, was born in Bethlehem and showed his face for 33 years until he was crucified. And then we have the church for all the years. And then in the around the 1840s, 
Jesus began to speak to a very humble Carmelite nun in Tours, France. And Jesus gave her some messages for devotion to the Holy Face, which would be a remedy against the social ills during that time and even into the future and unto right now. So that's a, a thumb sketch of what this devotion is. Mm. You know, just thinking about the image itself, and you have one, uh, for those that are watching us on the video feeds anyway, uh, you have an, uh, the sort of the, um, uh, uh, I guess, the, the iconic image of the face of Jesus, one that we see quite frequently. It's a representation of our Veronica's veil. Can you tell us the history about that particular image? Yes. So Baronius, who was a protege of St. Um, Philip Neri, he was a great historian. He wrote um, about the incidents of Veronica because he had access to the Vatican archives. And he mentions how she could have been the one who was healed by the hemorrhaging, touching the, the uh, tassel of our Lord Jesus and being healed from that. So she was sort of like Mary Magdalene, but she's not as much known in the Bible. And when our Lord was carrying his cross, she had, uh, as according to Baronius, she had her own veil on her head as the women wore in, 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 in Israel. And she had one on her left arm. And when the mob was coming along around and surrounding Christ, the Roman soldiers, she burst in to this mob, just broke right in there, that the soldiers were stunned. This was against protocol. They didn't know what to do. So they just, they just stopped. And there was like a moment of pause, like this, the eye of a hurricane. And she just went in there and, and gave our Lord Jesus, this fine Egyptian uh, silk or linen and, and consoled his face. And then the soldiers started to go back to their normal uh, cruelty. And she went home crying and she put the veil on her table and her friend was watching her crying. And she actually saw the veil for the first time that the image was impressed. And she said, her name wasn't Veronica, but that's what we call her now. She told her, I, Beatrice, I think, to come and look. And she saw that. And Veronius says that how our Lord is so gentle, I'm paraphrasing, in giving me his countenance to remember him forever. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember uh, I, the first time I ever looked into the history and the story behind the Shroud of Turin. Um, having seen that image, even before that, I, I sort of didn't think too much about the image. But the first time I ever did any research on it, I was blown away by the story of the Shroud of Turin and continued to be uh, so as they even discover even new things that are miraculous and amazing about the Shroud of Turin. And then I remember, and this I'm, I'm talking this was, you know, some 20 years ago, I remember sort of having that light bulb moment uh, after discovering some of those scientific uh, miracles in regards to the shroud that I could be looking at the very face of the Savior Jesus Christ some 2,000 years later like that thought blew my mind like it literally like this is a, like God is so good 
that he was going to leave a photo of himself from 2,000 years. Uh, I mean, it just absolutely amazed me. So I ended up, I print, like I, I printed out the, the image of the face from the shroud and framed it and put it on the wall just so that we could take a look and, uh, and behold this face. This was before I even knew there was such a thing as the devotion to the face of Christ. I mean, can you speak to that about the, the I don't know, the, the, the depths of grace that God is so good to us, even though we sin so often, so much, that he just keeps lavishing these things upon us? Oh, sure. So one of the things about God, one of his attributes is his divine wisdom. And a part of that is providence, how God is omniscient. He knows everything. So, Joe, he pits you and I in these times, not ever being able to see the real face of Jesus Christ during the time he lived on earth. So he knew our personalities he knows every the amount of hairs on our on our head, and the point is is that you like me have a great desire to see his face because we've heard about it, we've seen it in art, but we haven't seen it for real like the ones who were his disciples did. So that gives us a certain longing for that, and that helps us to increase our faith and our hope that we'll get to see him in our charity. So. His providence is so deep, it's unbelievable. So I think that this devotion in this time, since we're going through so much turmoil in the culture, that it's going to help us to grow so much more in a mystical combat, as Sister Mary St. Peter says, to cross swords with the enemy. And our Lord tells her, the enemy is a revolutionary man. And God is actually giving us the punishment. She told, or he told her that. And the punishment is that we're receiving revolutionary men today as a punishment because of two major sins. And one of them is blasphemy. So taking the Lord's name in vain. And the second one is not adoring him, not worshiping him on Sundays and profaning his holy day by doing unnecessary labor on that day. So God's giving us the punishment, but the benefit is we can get out of it if we make reparation and repair the relationship our human family, our human family has with the holy face of Jesus and the Godhead, because the holy face of Jesus represents his divinity. Mm. Yeah, we're down to... Just under a minute now, before we have to go to a hard break, we're talking with Father Lawrence Carney and, uh, about his book that he has published out at uh, TAN, which you can find linked up at tanbooks.com. It's called The Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society. I encourage you to check this out at tanbooks.com. So before we, rather than jump into another question, we're going to save that for the other side of the break. Uh, and there's so much I want to talk about, like, say, uh, the, the promises that come with such a devotion. What... What uh, what graces we receive from heaven above. But by the way, I wanted to mention today's the day I send out the email to the CDT Insiders. I'll include a link to that the reading of G.K. Chesterton's Lepanto today, as well as some other goodies for you if you'd like to get in on that. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to sign up for the CDT Insider email list today. It'll come out this afternoon. Don't go anywhere. More is coming up next.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friendships tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Father Lawrence Daniel Carney III, actually, is our guest. He is the author of a book called Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society. And you can find it at tanbooks.com. That's tanbooks.com. Welcome back to the show, Father. Can I ask you, who has been the like the main champion of the devotion to the Holy Face? It seems like... It's it's uh it's a little bit underknown uh devotion within the Catholic world. It's, many Catholics don't seem to know about this. So who's been like the main cheerleader of this devotion? That's a good question. The main cheerleader is Venerable Leo de Pont. He was born in Martinique in the eighteenth century, and he moved from the Caribbean to Tours because his wife passed away, and their one daughter uh, on the deathbed of, of his wife asked him to have her taught by the Ursulines in Tours. So he moved there, and there he met uh, Sister Mary St. Peter, who was the Carmelite, who was the one who received these revelations. And when Venerable Leo Pont was able to discover the depths and the riches of these devotions, he became the biggest promoter of it. So there was, in 1848 or 1849, the uh, Masons caused uh, a lot of problems in the Vatican. So Blessed Pius IX was exiled in the Gaeta, and there they had the veil Veronica displayed, and a miracle happened. So the veil was very dim because it had been 1,800 years old, and on the silk that was in front of it, there was a blank piece of silk on front to protect it from the elements. It was blank. So it began to have the bold features of our Lord Jesus, and there was a death-like hue, and artists came and engraved that and sent copies all over Europe. Well, Venerable Leo Pont got two of these, and he put one in his drawing room where he was a lawyer, and he had a 
oil lamp burning night and day. And people became, became, came into his room and asked him because he knew, they knew that he was a man of prayer. So he took the oil that was burning and anointed people with it and started to cure people that there were 6,000 certified miracles, which means these are miracles that physicians say there's no physical explanation. It's a miracle. And Blessed Pius IX calls Venerable Leo de Pont one of the greatest workers, wonder workers of, of modern times. And so very few people know about this. And when I found this, I was stunned. Why is this devotion to the Holy Face in the form of the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face not known to the world? And that's because Our Lady, or excuse me, Jesus told Sister Mary St. Peter that this devotion is going to get basically, I'm paraphrasing, a canonical establishment. But it's not going to be taken very uh, well. It's not going to become popular until later on. And he told her that there's going to be apostles that are going to promote this later on. So Venerable Leo de Pont, for 40 years, was promoting this great devotion to the Holy Face because it was a devotion destined to save society, as Pope Pius IX said. And these 6,000 miracles, you know, I used to be an investment show, and, and I say this all the time. In investments, you try to find little companies that are going to be rising stars because then you make a lot of money. Mm. Well, this devotion is like that. It's It has all the earmarks of being something great. It just needs to be promoted. That's why the title of my book is called The Secret of the Holy Face, the Death the devotion destined to save society, because it's still a secret. St. Therese of Lisieux is also another proponent of this devotion, and very few people know about that, because she is called um, St. Therese of Lisieux of the Child Jesus and of the Holy Face. And when she read the biography of Sister Mary de St. Pierre, she was very much devoted to the Holy Face of Jesus, and because of reading her biography, she adopted a lot of the life of Sister Mary St. Peter's holiness into her own holy life. So there's a lot of players here uh, that are known and, and some are unknown, that there's a lot of things at St. Therese that we don't know that we, we need to know. And this devotion, I think, is just going to be something that will be one of the greatest um, devotions that the Church will ever receive, like the Rosary. Well, Father, you know, it's interesting because it's recently become more and more popular, I've noticed. We were, I do public square rosary rallies quite regularly. We had a blasphemies against Our Lady where they took Our Lady's mantle and made it a transgender flag. We went out to go pray there and a number of other things similar to that. And while we were there, it, coincidentally, somebody brought the image of the Holy Face and we usually just pray three rosaries, and then we uh, will leave after that. But for some reason, we just started praying the Chaplet of the Holy Face. And that was something that we really hadn't done at these rosary rallies before, and we've done it the last two times. And I thought that was interesting that this is becoming more popular enough that we're doing it that way. Could you talk about the role of the Holy Face in terms of in public square um, usage of the Chaplet of the Holy Face and acts of uh, of it, they use it as a tool against the revolution. Oh, this is this is the bread and butter of this devotion. Is it's a devotion for our times, and our Lord says 
some fighting words to Sister Mary St. Peter. So imagine this 20-year-old nun. She's just a humble little nun, and she's getting these commands from a general to attack the enemy. And this is over 100 years ago. So one of the things that Jesus says to her, oh, that my devotees would take the instruments that were used to torture me and hurl them at the enemy. So that's a that's a spiritual way to attack the opponents of good in the world today. Think of the cross. Think of the crown of thorns, the nails, the spear, the scourges, and all the other instruments. And think of mystically hurling them at the demons and the demons agents, the communists and the revolutionary men. So when we're in the public square and we're being engaging in that mystical combat because we're fighting against the spirits of evil that way. And we're doing it under the command of Jesus Christ. And another thing he told her, oh, that there would be more Veronica's that would break through the mob to console my face. That you can take and, and write sermons over so many sermons about. And one of them is our very sanctuaries where Jesus is in the tabernacle. It seems like there's a mob that's trying to surround our, sen- our sanctuaries and prevent us from going to worship God in the Holy Mass. So think of churches being closed lately. Think of our faces being covered. You know, we're the image of God, but the devil doesn't want the image of God to be seen. Another thing about this devotion, one of the requirements is that people come together once a month. Well, the enemy wants to divide and conquer us so that we're all isolated and we're prone to depression. But when we come together, and see each other's faces, especially people that are holy. Imagine St. Catherine of Siena and St. Vincent Ferrer and St. Philip Neri and St. Alfonso Gori all coming to a meeting. How beautiful that would be because they're so filled with God. Well, this devotion can help people to become like them in the future. Because the thing is, we're fighting a battle, but sometimes we start to fight in our own ways, but we're spinning wheels. But with the devotion to the holy face that our Lord's given to us, it's it's a sure-failed way to attack and win. We just need people to engage in the in the mystical combat. Yes, Father, I agree. It's uh, one of the greatest devotions that I've found uh, personally for for our family. But uh, I'm wondering if you could speak practically about the promises of the devotion and uh, a little bit about the prayer in the last few minutes that we have here. Sure. So. I wanted to mention the chapter of the Holy Face very quickly is like a minor exorcism mm. because it's taking Psalm 67 and repeating it to make reparation for the five senses. Arise, O Lord, and let the enemies be defeated, and let all that hate thee flee from before thy face. Well, did you know that that's in the minor exorcism that Pope Leo XIII wrote, which is wow. the short the short firm is the St. Michael prayer. So that I wanted to put that out there. Now, the promises are amazing. So the first promise is from St. Gertrude, and I won't read it all, but it says, By their likeness to my face, they shall shine with a brightness surpassing that of many others in eternal light. So our end is heaven, and in heaven there's different levels, depending on how generous we are. And so people that promote the holy face have a promise of having a brightness surpassing many others in eternal light. That's huge. And then 
We have the second one is given to St. Mechtild, having asked her Lord that those who celebrate the memory of the sweet face should never be deprived of his amiable company. He replied, not one of them shall be separated from me. So when we're going into mystical combat in our own personal lives, this devotion helps us because we know Jesus is going to be right there with us if we're in a state of grace, not in mortal sin. The third, I'll just say one more. Our Lord said to Sister Mary that St. Pierre has promised me that he will imprint his divine likeness on the souls of those who honor his most holy countenance. So that's a promise where we get to share in the divine nature of God, which we're just creatures. We have a beginning, but God has no beginning. But he wants to share with his creatures a divine nature and eternity to share in his life. That you can write many sermons about, too. Mm -hmm. And just about the last uh, minute we have left with you, Father, uh, besides the book, which we recommend everybody to check out at tanbooks.com, uh, where else could people find information about this devotion? How do they get started? Sure. So I have started a pious association called the League of St. Martin. So if people would search that, they will go to our website, which is martinians.org. And there we have a lot of information about how to know more about this devotion, a list of books to read. We have um, different rankings that people can engage in to be a subscriber or to be a defender of the holy name of God or an archer. And then we have little chapters of the League of St. Martin popping up all over the U.S., and we had our first one start in South America a few months ago, and we're talking about starting one in England. And these become little groups of prayer to attack the darkish right. culture. We are out of time, but uh, that website again is martinians.org. Martinians.org, or check out the book, Secret of the Holy Face, Devotion Destined to Save Society at tanbooks.com. Father Lawrence Daniel Carney III, God bless you, God love you. Thank you for your time today. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one and for the week. If you can join us in the second hour, Dave Palmer is going to be on. We're going to be talking about St. Thomas Aquinas and the rapture. All that at grnonline.com. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, themensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of 
Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are, wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com. This is KSHJAM 1430 Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are 100% listener supported. And do you know what that means? This is your radio station. Thank you so much for your generous support. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Hopefully you caught that conversation with Father Lawrence Carney. If you missed it, you can always catch the podcast of it. It'll be available, I don't know, about an hour after the show or so, or even sooner. You can find it linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can also find it on iTunes or Spotify or on the Google Play Store. But probably the best way of all is to just download your mobile app. You know, the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app. It's easy. Right on your iOS or your Android device. Search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Download it today. It allows you to listen to your local GRN radio station 24-7, clear as crystal. Praise be to God. And then, of course, you can find uh, your local station manager information. Uh, you can donate. Praise be to God. Please do consider that. You can also find scheduling information and the podcasts of our GRM-produced programs are there as well in the flyout. So uh, look for the, the Catholic Drive Time podcast in the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app. Download that in your iOS or Android app store today. Uh, but uh, great conversation about the Holy Face devotion. My mind is still blown about the fact that we have relics of the holy face just to to this day yeah. it just it just blows my mind to think about it and yet there are people who will go back and try and be uh funny about it and they'll say oh we've reconstructed the face mm-hmm. of jesus mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is what he really looks like he looks like Uzi the ice man <laughs> yeah exactly he <laughs> looks like looks like that by the way i had some shoes designed from uh his original shoes that were found but anyway that's a side really? story yeah. um they were minimal issues. But anyway, yeah, that's not what Jesus looked like. We have the relics. We have the yeah. receipts. Literally. We have the receipts. <laughs> yeah. It is amazing. And clearly, he was yeah. white with the blonde hair and with blue, blue eyes. eyes. Yeah. I could see it in the image. <laughs> they, they called him Sven on occasion. Sven. No, never no, did that. That'd, no. that'd be kind of weird. That would be weird. I agree. Uh, but yeah, it's fascinating to me. And then I once watched a uh, video that went through the evidence that linked up the, uh, the face cloth of Obi Edom to the shroud mm-hmm. and they they matched the stains the, the, so there's there's like these liquid stains on each of the cloths 
And one is blood stains, one is a clear liquid, and they match them up in shape and size. Wow. And positioning. And uh, the speculation was this cloth was used once Jesus expired on the cross, still hanging on the cross. They went up and covered his face with this cloth. Mm. But at that point, the blood begins to break down and you get a clear liquid and a red liquid that separates, you know, and uh, that liquid started to come out of his nostrils Mm. and his mouth. And then that stained that cloth. And then they took him down and laid him flat to prepare him to take him into the tomb. And then that's when they wrapped him in the shroud, ter- the, 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 the shroud of Terence cloth. Yeah. And then so they were able to match these two cloths up. And they also were able to match up, I think it was, uh, was DNA or no, it was blood type. They were able to match up blood type from the two cloths as well. You but, know what also blows Doesn't that my blow mind? your mind? That does. But you know what also blows my mind hmm. is what they would have <sighs> – I hate to be like an emotionalist mm. here, mm. but like what they would have been feeling, it must have been over. Their whole world was shattered as they're mm. wrapping him mm-hmm. in the in the cloth, and they think this is done. It's done. There's no way. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> and is. then the joy. Of Could you imagine next, being around to see Jesus time. when he comes back? Um, yeah. I won't be because I'm going to be raptured out of here. Uh, oh, so, but okay. you guys, uh, you guys might get to see it. I'll stick around. I'm yeah. going to start a rapture Whew. service. For, is that See, like a, taking care of is that a new stuff. Christian song? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's. I, I'm just curious. I wonder what uh, St. Thomas Aquinas would have to say on the rapture. Joining us now is Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning, Joe. Praise be, be with you. Praise be to God. We're glad to have you on the show again today. Uh, I, when you proposed to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas' teaching on the rapture, I didn't realize he had a teaching on the rapture. Um, blew my mind. What 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 what, what well, brought this up? Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of a trick topic because he he doesn't speak, of course, of the rapture. I think the rapture actually came about after the time of nineteenth century. But yeah. he has an interesting question in the Summa, in the second part of the second part of the Summa, the very very end under gratuitous graces, and it's called um, on rapture. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not the rapture, but it's mm-hmm. about rapture. It's, it's uh, really very fascinating. Uh, because Saint? he's Got talking him. about the soul of man being carried away by God. And uh, the example he uses is St. Paul. I don't know if you're familiar with this passage in mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 12, 2, yeah. 5, when St. Paul talks about, uh, I know someone in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay, it sounds kind of rapturish, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the experts say, For some reason, St. Paul was talking in third person about himself. So he's talking about himself being caught up to the third heaven. And so St. Thomas Aquinas and many of the doctors spent a lot of attention on this. They say he was raptured, which means his, he was basically his soul was taken out of his senses temporarily because we can't see the essence of God in our current state because everything that we come to know there below is through our senses, but this is kind of like an exception that God makes in, in very rare circumstances where he gives somebody a vision of the divine essence, kind of like a heavenly experience, but then kind of puts them back into their regular self. So this mm-hmm. is what Thomas is talking about by rapture, but it's not the rapture, as the, mm-hmm. the Left Behind books would say. Yeah, Tom, Thomas Aquinas, the original uh, father of uh, bait-and-switch clickbaity titles. Uh, that's amazing. Praise be to God. <laughs> um, but what is fascinating to me about this is, uh, 
you know, so many people have bought into this idea of being raptured up. And uh, I, I myself did back in the day. And I remember, you know, studying this from a Catholic perspective and seeing a Catholic response to a lot of these verses. And by the way, the idea of a Protestant version of the rapture left behind and all that didn't come around till the 19th century. So you have 1900 years before anybody ever had an idea like that. So that should be very telling, for starters. But for me, it was the passage of, uh, you know, just as in the days of Noah, you know, and and you start, and it, that's the context by which that passage is needs to be interpreted. And then you start to think, well, when when Noah, Noah was the one left behind. Everybody else was taken away. <laughs> Maybe I want to be the one left behind. I don't want to be the guy taken away because, uh, like, no, I don't want to. Dr- you know, I don't want to be the guys that get drowned in the water. So I don't know. I was very blown away by that realization. And then, uh, so when you brought up St. Thomas Aquinas' teaching, I thought, golly, gee whiz, there's no way that there was uh, the debate uh, of rapture at his time. But to the point you're making, I think it's more of an ecstasy. And so many saints have enjoyed the ecstasies of being enraptured by by our Lord in prayer or in visions. Uh, Padre Pio, uh, I mean, so many. Saint uh, Saint Joseph of Cupertino, uh, I mean, so many incredible saints have had these uh, these just wonderful ecstasies enraptured. Is that the sense you mean? Yeah, well, I think Thomas makes a distinction between ecstasy and rapture. In fact, oh, really? he uh, quotes Acts 10.10, 10, where Peter is said to, it says, there came upon him an ecstasy of mind. I think, and, I, and I'm still, you know, digging through this and doing a lot of research, because it's absolutely fascinating. I think there is a distinction between ecstasy and rapture. And uh, there's also some references to Old Testament figures who had this vision of God, but again, the, the thing that Thomas is wrestling with is that he's adamant that here below in this life, we cannot see the essence of God because everything that we come to know is, is sensible, right? We have to know things through our senses. So all of a sudden, St. Paul in this verse in Second Corinthians is saying, I was caught up into paradise and heard, heard ineffable things which no one may utter. And it sounds like he's having a vision of God, which kind of breaks the rule. And so Thomas is trying to figure out exactly, well, how can this happen if he's having a vision of God, but then he continues on with his life because mm-hmm. that's not supposed to happen. So I, I believe there is a distinction between ecstasy and rapture. I think rapture is a different thing, but I'll have to dig into that a little bit more. A minute ago, you were talking about why people were speculating that St. Paul spoke of himself in the third person. I I have often found that very, very fascinating. I guess I've always seen it in a similar way that John would refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Also, it's sort of in that third person of narrative voice. But I wonder, and I'm going to speculate, and I'd like to get your take on this, I've experienced some mystical things in my life that are profound and had major impact on my trajectory. And I've told people about them many times, but to be honest, every time I do, I always feel embarrassed by it. I'm not sure why, but I always have. Uh, do you, maybe, could it be that Paul felt embarrassed by that? I think, you know, it's, 
in verse 5 of that that chapter, he says, About this person I will boast, but about myself I will not boast, except about my weaknesses. So I think you're, at, you're exactly right. I think Because he, he, then he goes into this whole thing about, I'm not going to boast, and I'm going to boast. And so I think you're exactly right, is that he felt uncomfortable giving himself this, you know, like bragging about it. Because he's trying to be humble, and this is obviously a, a pretty big thing. But he clearly talks about this as a different person. But all the research I've done, and I don't know if you guys have dug into this, seems like all the church fathers thinks he's talking about himself, but for whatever reason, he, he doesn't refer to it as being himself. But, uh, yeah, and I, and I had a, a, what I would consider a mystical experience one time, and, and you're right. I it, It's a little weird because, first of all, some people may not believe it. And secondly, it, it sounds a little boastful, like God's giving you some kind of you know special privilege that they're not that they're not giving other people. So I, I, I understand. Yeah, but I don't have a problem hearing it from other people. I, I I never feel embarrassed when someone else tells shares their experiences with me. I always am blown away by that, and I give God uh, praise for for what He does in the lives of others. But when it's when it's me, it definitely feels more embarrassing for sure, uh, for some odd reason. Now, what do you make of the third heaven in Saint Paul's account? Yeah, that I, I the only thing I can think of is that we we know there are going to be different levels of heaven. You know, and we've talked about that before. The different hierarchies of, of angels. I think what was that last week we were talking about that, and uh, that there there are different levels, different degrees. So I think this just happens to be the the one that he was lifted up to. But exactly what the third heaven and how it just is different from the second heaven or the first heaven, I'm not exactly sure. But I think it just goes in more more evidence that. There are different levels of experience of the perfection of heaven. So uh, Aquinas didn't comment on the third heaven. Not specifically that, that I, I've read of. No, I, I think that was. And, and again, I, I last night I read through all the, the corpuses of it and got the general gist of it. By the time the show comes along today, I'll have probably have an answer for that. But mm. I, I don't know. I, I don't think in that particular question and article that that he that wasn't his focus it was more on the experience uh that paul had right he says and pulled it up to see what he said exactly he said hence the apostle said that he was wrapped not only to the third heaven which pertains to the contemplation of the intellect but also into paradise which pertains to the appetite so it seems like it's something that is not just like you were saying at the beginning it's something that's not simply um a ecstasy but something that was also physical as well so it's kind of interesting because he also says in the article three in the same question that we have to understand this is something corporeal and thus the third heaven denotes the same place as which some people think is uh the garden of eden because some people believe that the garden of eden was brought up and saint thomas would believe this as well he believes elijah and enoch were taken up to the place of the um, where the Garden of Eden was moved to. And so the Garden of Eden is no longer on earth, according to St. Thomas. And that's where Elijah and Enoch is. And it seems like he's saying this is some something like that. Yeah, there, there's one of the articles says, whether while in this state, Paul's soul was wholly separated from his body. And St. Thomas Aquinas says, no, that, that wasn't the case. So, yeah, you're right, Adrian. It's, it's fascinating because it really has to do with you know, our, our body-soul composite, what exactly is going to, our, our experience of heaven going to be like? What about separated souls right now that are in heaven that are not uh, attached, so to speak, to a body? 
And really, it, it, it's the Tom is trying to make a distinction between the different levels of what life is like here, what we can experience God like here mm-hmm. and in heaven, and then kind of this middle ground of rapture and ecstasy where you mm-hmm. get a little foretaste of it, but you're not you're not in heaven, but you're getting that experience, which is extremely unusual. All right, praise be to God. Check out Dave Palmer and Back to the Father, 1 p.m. Central to Eastern at GRN Online on YouTube and on Facebook. 1 p.m. Central today, Back to the Father, Thomas Aquinas on The Rapture. Dave Palmer, God bless you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks, Jeff. All right, time to play the game. Fear and trembling. Prizes at stake. You could win. Call now, 877-757-9424. Giving that prize away today. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. Just don't tell anybody. Ever. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, if you'll do that, then here's the deal. Uh, Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. And There's at least one today. I'm going to say two. We're on the board for two learnable, teachable moments today. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle and our callers laugh with us. It is the funnest part 
of all. And we give out prizes, which means this is an incentive for everybody because you could learn something, laugh, and then win. Praise be to God. And today's the day we actually give out those prizes, which means there's going to be a winner in just a few minutes. Praise be to Jesus. Now, here's the kicker, though. If you're just joining us, I shall explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. But out of these three, we do not ask the caller any of them. They don't need to know. They might not know any of these answers, but they could still win. And that's because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will not. And the caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? They always trust me, of course, but uh, but at that point, all the correct answers go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Rudy? Praise be to God. Today's the day we draw the winner, and the winner this week is going to win a 12-pack of Divinia water. And you might be wondering, oh, what? A 12-pack of water? What? Nice. 12 what are we packs talking are about perfect here? for Fridays. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, Divinia water is the most distinguished bottled water on the market, and mm-hmm. it's free from microplastics, heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, and hundreds of other contaminants. And when I say pharmaceuticals, you got to read between the lines here because uh, we had a really interesting conversation with Teresa Marsano about what's going into the water supply. Well, it's free of all of that. If you're curious about what I'm talking about, go on our YouTube and look up Teresa Marsano. Now, this water is bottled in pristine Idaho on a bottling line blessed by a Catholic priest. And additionally, Divinia is run by a Catholic family dedicated to preserving God's natural surroundings. Uh, they ship right to your door and they offer convenient subscription services. Uh, and if you want to learn a little bit more about how they process the water and uh, what they're all about, go to DiviniaWater.com. And I just want to say thank you, DiviniaWater.com, for sponsoring our show this week. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you, DiviniaWater.com. Very generous of you to give us prizes to give away to our audience. All right, let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Rhonda. Good morning, everyone. Praise be to God, Rhonda. How are you? Praise be to God. I'm doing good. Thank you. And how are all of you guys? We are alive, and that counts. Amen? Yes, Yes, sir. Amen. It Praise sure does. I, yeah. was just, I, I, I guess appropriate response would be blessed. <laughs> too blessed to be stressed, too yeah. anointed to be disappointed. <laughs> okay, Jesse. <laughs> Calm down over there, Jesse. All right, uh, uh, Rhonda, now remind me, you are from Houston, Texas. Yeah, uh, St. Francis Cabrini. Same for yeah. I was going to guess. Uh, yes, yeah, St. Francis Cabrini, okay. and I ha- and I and I wanted y'all to know my friend uh, and y'all's friend has this robust. He stopped by my office the <laughs> other day, and I told him I would call this week, and he hey. mentioned to me to bring up some things to pick on y'all about. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Come on. Yeah. There is did, yeah, nothing to pick on here. Okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll, we will, uh, we will have our, our words with Jesus after the show. How about that, Rhonda? We're going to be sending our goons mm-hmm. over to his house mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. All right. Praise be to God. Now, Rhonda, I know you are a veteran at this. You understand the game, yeah. but you should know in advance, uh, Rudy does not have a tie on today. <laughs> oh, okay. Yesterday was Ask God. The day before that was a sweater. And today, no tie. I'm confused. I, I am very really concerned. I don't really understand that. Mm. I still don't really I understand don't that. I mean, I know that uh, Nobody if does. he's wearing a, if he's, uh, well, my husband and I are Aggies, so if he Gig-em. was wearing a gig of, a gig of Maggie's yeah. tie, mm. I would probably more trust him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He's, he's, 
Does he do that on purpose to gain your trust is the question. What if it was See. maroon and burnt orange? See? See what I'm saying? Uh, oh. no. Well, no. <laughs> All right. Let's play the game. All right. Here we go, Rhonda. We will start with Tricky Rudy, as is our custom here, our church-approved tradition. Praise be to God. Good morning, Tricky Rudy. Good morning. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Are you sure? Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, Good enough for me. Could you tell me how many, <laughs> how many authentic popes led the Catholic Church from St. Peter to St. John the 23rd? How many popes authentically have led the Catholic Church mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. from St. Peter to yeah. John the 23rd? Yes, please. Uh, 260. Wow. That's my Are guess. you making that up? Yeah, or? Oh, no, well, no, I'm, no. I'm guessing. You nailed it right there. You're just going to go with 260? Yeah, 260. Okay, 260. Seems about right. All right. Even um, number? Hmm, let's see. Adrian, I know that you have advanced degrees in popologies. Mm. Uh, could you help me here? <laughs> How many authentic popes have led the Catholic Church from St. Peter to St. John the 23rd? Well, let's see. It's been... How many years? Are, what year is it? 2022? Last time I checked. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think popes have been around, you know, on average about 10 years. What? So, you know, they, they die. and Some are longer, some are shorter. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, but average, probably about 10 years. So I'm going to go with approximately 220. Two. 220. 220. Okay, so I see what you did there. Two, this, this is an over-under kind of 10. game, right? You just went times 10. <laughs> exactly. Got exactly. it. Okay. This you're, is like an over-under, like if I get closer. Yeah, you're playing the numbers. Yeah. You're playing the averages. Okay. All right. Uh, well, Rhonda in Houston, you got options here. Adrian's on the board for 220, whereas Rudy says 260. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? Rhonda, what say you? Um, look to the left and look to the right, and I'll go with Rudy. Whoa! Oh, good guess. Good guess. That was, that was amazing. Did, did she get extra I, points for rhyming? I think maybe. I, 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 I told my friend Jesus I was gonna do, I was gonna surprise y'all. <laughs> well, hey, success. Job success. Job done. <laughs> Job done, Rhonda. We're surprised. Praise be to God. I like that. We may have to put that on a button, actually. That's good. All right, let's go with our second question here. We're going to go to Adrian first, because why not? Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, what is the name of the large fan, a large fan used in pontifical functions. Mm hmm. The large, like, electric fan? You tell me, buddy. Oh. You okay. tell me. Oh, you're talking about the, the big fan of those pictures of, like, Pius XII that the guys are holding next to him and, like, fanning him with because, you know, he's wearing a lot of clothes. Uh -huh. That would be a flabellum. I'm sorry, Gesundheit. I'm sorry, what was it? A flabellum. Oh, that was your answer. A flabella of what? A flabellum. A flab flabellum. Mm -hmm. Flabellum. Or if you want to use the plural form, flabella. Flabella. All right, let's see what Rudy <laughs> says. Rudy, can you tell me? Can you give me the name of the large fan used in pontifical functions? It's large and it's in charge, and it's known as the Avanicus. Avanicus. Yep. Avanico. In Spanish, they call fan Avanico. Ava so okay. I'm that's a Latin lessons. thing. So it's Avanicus. In I am going to be a linguist before the show is over. True. <laughs> okay. So uh, I don't know if I was listening to the tapping of Googling keys there, Rhonda, or not. But nonetheless, <laughs> Rudy says Avanicus. 
And Adrian says, Flabellum. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Rhonda, uh, what say you? I know I'm going to get suckered into this, <laughs> but I look to the left and I look to the right and I'll go with Adrian because it's right all right. <laughs> Can you write a jingle for us? Rhonda, yeah, Rhonda is winning right now. She's winning at life. She's winning at life. That's right. Uh, praise okay, be God. I already, I already kind of, I kind of do kind of like a cheerleading mm. thing whenever y'all have the uh, like the the share-a-thons or something. Oh, amen. Yes. Praise be to God. We love it, Rhonda. All right, you are right. Flabellum is correct. Uh, not Avanikus. It was Flabellum. You did well. So that is the correct answer. Let's go with the third one here. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, what does the church call a heathen or one who practices idolatry? Ah, uh, of course. Don't look at me like that. Of course. Uh, well, that's what's known as our ecumenical brethren. Oh. Yeah. Ecumenical Soon to be saints. brethren. Soon to be saints. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, ecumenical brethren. That's your answer. We love them. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, Adrian. Uh, I know that you have a lot of experience with paganism. Could you tell me, <laughs> what does the church call a heathen or one who practices idolatry? Well, considering you gave us the answer, I'm going to go with the pagan. <laughs> <laughs> pagan is my answer. <laughs> Uh, all right, Rhonda. I wonder what Rhonda's going to go with. <laughs> you got options, Rhonda. Is it as Rudy or Adrian suggests, that, like as if I would give the answer away? Uh, he says it's paganism, our pagan, uh, but Rudy says it's called our ecumenical brethren. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who is wrong? Rhonda, what say you? Uh, two or four or six, six pence. I'll go with Adrian because it seems to make sense. What? One. What should never say Adrian and sense in the same sentence? Rhonda's clearly right. a very brilliant, brilliant young lady. As we were laughing and, and chuckling, I have and the I know answer. You say that about all the ladies. No, I would never. And, uh. Yeah, I've heard you. Oh, hold on. We gotta give up the winner. Go ahead. Rhonda. You are the winner. No! What? Did you seriously pull her name out of the cup? Yeah, I did. Yeah. All right. Rhonda, congratulations. Oh Praise be to God. Oh, my God. Rhonda, you were a oh hoot God. and a half today. Thanks for having fun with us. We really appreciated that. God love you. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Praise be to God. Look to the left and yes. look to the right. How'd it go? I got to look that up. Hey, all right. That's going to do it for the radio side. Have a great weekend. God bless you. Join us in the after show. We'll see you there. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. 
from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of Our Lady of the Rosary. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media. Mary the dawn, Christ the perfect day, Mary the gate, Christ the heavenly way, Mary the root, Christ the mystic vine, Mary the grape, Christ the sacred wine, Mary the wheat sheaf, Christ the living bread, Mary the rose tree, Christ the rose blood red, Mary the font, Christ the cleansing flood, Mary the chalice, Christ the saving blood, Mary the temple, Christ the temple's Lord, Mary the Shrine, Christ the God adored. Mary the Mother, Christ the Mother's Son, both ever blessed while endless ages run. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord your grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel, may through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen.
A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. After Jesus had been taken up into heaven, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Salad, and Judas, son of James. All these devoted themselves with one accord to prayer, together with some women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The Almighty, the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. For he has looked upon this lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the stain of his arm. He has scattered the proud and their conceit. The, the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He cast us down the lowly from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has lifted, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promises of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. entire purpose and goal of the Christian life that we receive in our baptism is to become conformed to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, in baptism we are baptized into the life of Jesus and then he therefore really becomes the goal of what our life is called to look like and conformity to Christ is really something that we call holiness. The liturgy of the church, the celebration of Mass, it really is that instrument par excellence through which we are able to, through God's grace, accomplish this goal of becoming conformed to Christ, with the pinnacle and culmination, of course, being able to receive the Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist at Mass. In that context, we can also then place today's memorial of the Most Holy Rosary. Because the rosary is really meant to support and complement the liturgy of the church in this work of becoming conformed to Jesus Christ. In meditating upon the mysteries of the rosary, which go over the mysteries of Jesus' salvation history, the mysteries of his life, and even the mysteries of Mary's life in relationship to Jesus, it is meant to mark for us kind of fundamental points of contemplation of the life of Christ and to continue this work of assimilating and entering into the mysteries of Jesus' life in our own life. As St. Pope John Paul II said, the rosary and praying of the rosary really is intended to be a contemplation of the face of Christ at the school of Mary. In fact, each Hail Mary and the rosary itself, it really is a kind of compendium of the gospel. It speaks to us about Jesus' salvation history and the great role that Mary has in the work of redemption that Jesus accomplished and, of course, the work of redemption in our own life. St. John Paul II goes to say that, you know, the rosary is really a prayer to Mary and it's an expression of love to Christ with our Blessed Mother. Further, without contemplation, the rosary is like a body without a soul. And so he reminds us really that when we pray the rosary, we are called to meditate and to enter into contemplation of the face of Christ and of the mysteries of his life. Of course, if you're anything like me, you probably also experience sometimes that perhaps when we are praying the rosary, that sometimes it can be easy for our mind to drift in one direction or another. And nonetheless, we're still reminded, of course, of the power of this prayer, even when we're not able to perfectly pray it in this kind of highest form of contemplation. I'm always reminded of the principles of St. Louis Marie de Montfort and his true devotion to Mary when he says that really Mary takes our prayers and whatever imperfections or impurities may be there, and she purifies them and she makes them something wholly pleasing to her 
divine son. He says, a little bit like a queen who takes a meager gift from a peasant, say something like an apple, but then takes it and adorns it on a beautiful gold plate, which is further adorned with flowers, and then presents it to the king. And in her beauty, the king accepts it as a gift very much pleasing to him. I think in many ways this is what Mary does with our prayers, even in the midst of our own distractions or movements in different directions sometimes, or imperfections in prayer. Kind of reminds me when I was a, a child or a boy, I, I used to play a lot of tennis tournaments, and my mother would tell me, you can pray the rosary and ask Mary for anything. And so one of the things that I would ask for would be to win my tennis matches. And I can remember while playing matches or playing in tournaments, I would kind of make a bargain with Mary. I would say, if I win this match, I'll pray a rosary. And then the match would be kind of close and going on. I'd say, okay, fine, if I win this match, I'll pray two rosaries. And as it would continue, I would kind of keep on upping the ante until one time I can remember shaking hands at the net with my opponent after a victory and having to pray 23 rosaries for winning the match, which was, of course, quite a bit. I obviously wanted to win that match quite a lot. But, you know, what it reminds me of in a way, I don't pretend that praying to win tennis matches is any kind of high goal or any kind of a perfect motive to have. But I also don't doubt that even in the imperfection of praying for something relatively trivial, even though it was important to me at the time to win a tennis match, that Mary's ultimate goal is to take our prayers and to help lead us toward Jesus. That she takes those prayers, she can purify them, and ultimately they become at work to help us to become conformed to Christ and to help us to also then become agents that help other people to grow closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would always rely on this most treasured prayer of the Rosary, knowing of the powerful intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary. Let us ask God for the grace that we would always pray it with full fervor as a contemplation of the face of Christ at the School of Mary. But above all, let us always ask for the grace of perseverance, that trusting in faith of the role that God has willed Mary to have in salvation history and our own salvation, that we would always turn to her as our mother to know that she is there to intercede for us and to help us on our pilgrimage of faith. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, for their physical and spiritual needs, we pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. We pray for peace in the world. We pray to the Lord. We pray in thanksgiving for the gift of Mary, who was gifted to us by Jesus to be our mother and great intercessor before the Lord. We pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. 
Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. At your hands for the praise and the glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we may be rightly conformed to these offerings we bring, and so honor the mysteries of your only begotten Son, as to be made worthy of his promises, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you, and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, and to praise, bless, and glorify your name, in veneration of the blessed ever-Virgin Mary. For by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, she conceived her only begotten Son, and without losing the glory of virginity, brought forth into the world the eternal light, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, Dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim Sanctus. Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis unceli et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. 
for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, 
Miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi. Miserere nobis, agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi. Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. By Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since some cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into their heart. We embrace you as if you are already here and unite ourselves wholly to you. Never permit us to be separated from you. Thank thee who has planted thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus thy Son to us imparts. Thou, Lord, did make all for thy pleasure didst give man food for all his days giving in Christ the bread eternal thine is the power be thine the praise Let us pray. We pray, O Lord our God, that just as we proclaim in this sacrament the death and resurrection of your Son, so being made partakers in his suffering, we may also merit a share in his consolation and his glory, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. O Sanctissima, O Pissima, Dulcis Virgo Maria, Matera Mata, Intemerata, Ora, 
ora pro nobis. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Here at KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas, we don't mess with the truth. We hear it, live it, and love it.